You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Spartacus After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Spartacus After Show. Oh, yeah. Bing is for doing, and here we are doing another amazing after show for Spartacus. We're on season three, episode four, Decimation, and I am your host, Sean O. I'm joined here by my very spicy co-host. Spicy Mari, keeping it sizzling, pointing out all of the hot sex scenes in this episode. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know I got it, Sean. I can't help it. That's right. You know, we should talk about those in the beginning. <laughs> But before we talk about those, let's just mention what our topics are going to be yes, tonight. Yes, we have some great okay. topics. It was a really good episode, I must say. They only get better. This they, season, they're getting better and better. Absolutely. They start off, actually, to this one, it started off kind of slow with the pirates, but then they had a great introduction with Caesar. Ow, ow, ow. Right? And then, uh, so he enters the city. We're going to talk about uh, the decimation of the Roman legions and what that means for... Uh, for Tiberius and his friend. Oh, my goodness. And the last topic we'll be talking about will be uh, descent among Crixus, Gannicus, Navia, and Nemetes. All the oh, ro- I can't wait for that part. The, I have so much trash to talk. Oh, yeah. All the, all the <laughs> rebel leaders just, like, having at each other. Yeah. it was This episode was ridiculous. But let's start off with talking about Caesar. Because... We, as the AfterBuzz host for Spartacus, predicted that Caesar would do exactly just this. And I'm so just, I'm not surprised, but I'm kind of excited that our prediction came true. And we saw Caesar sneak into the city amongst the Romans and pretend to not actually be a Roman, but pretend to be uh, fighting for the cause of the gladiators. Yeah, he pretended to be one of the rebels. And uh, now we see everything come to fruition. We saw how... He, he had his hair long, his facial hair long, untrimmed, so he can look like he's an animal like the rebels are. Now we are. see why he couldn't shave. Exactly. We see the cut that he had on his leg that one of the uh, one of the slave girls over at Crossus's house was inflicting upon him. And now, you know, maybe there was an STD there that she was cutting off. <laughs> maybe not. But I think... We thought it was some freaky, like, domination, like, uh, what is it? How do you say it? Dom- dominatrix, right? Yeah, Domination? like some kind of oh, uh, sadism. Yeah, like so, we thought it was something, yeah. like, something crazy that she was doing sexually to him but really it was probably at his command to cut him so that it would look as if you know his um mark was uh removed exactly and that's really interesting that like of course we see the gladiators they had the mark of batiatus before on their forearms right but you know we didn't think like oh okay slaves might have it other places right and, by their groin and apparently they do maybe they have it at their groin you know maybe they have it on the, the breast the breasts the back of their neck <laughs> so they have it in a variety of places and speaking of the breasts before- speaking of the <laughs> leptious 
voluptuous breasts. Saxa was doing a little bit of a, a feel up, a pat down on one she of the was. slaves. On one of the slaves that were coming in while they were checking for marks to see if any of the Romans were entering, uh, she decides that she's going to fondle one of the girls coming in. Who allows it? She permits it. She's like, check me, see. And of course, um, you know, our little bisexual friend, <laughs> Saxa, yes. starts fondling on her boobs and making out with her in front of her boo. In front of Danicus. <laughs> Very sexy scene. And, he and even, Danicus loves it. He applauds any bisexual tendency Saxa may have. And he even said something that was so funny. I, gosh, it, it was something about weapons. Like, oh, those are some, you know, I don't even remember those what he said. Those are some serious weapons or something like that. Yes. <laughs> some, something like that. No, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But um, getting back to Caesar. So uh, he comes into the city, right? Uh, Gannicus gives him a test to see how worthy he is with the sword. And they're kind of, they're doing it to see, it, they're doing it for twofold, I feel. They were doing it to see how worthy he is to fight with them. And they were also doing it to test to see if he's a Roman right. in disguise as a rebel. At this point, they're trying to weed out any Romans that, you know, may be uh, sneaking into the city, causing harm upon them. And which I think is very smart of uh, Spartacus to have, you know, his his uh, men do this. But at at the same time, um, what's the name of the gentleman who is like kind of shadowing Caesar? That is Nemetes. Nemetes. Um, I think that Nemetes, I, th- I think Nemetes was actually taking a liking to Caesar and befriending him. And I was surprised to see uh, Crixus pull Nemetes uh, to the side because I really thought Nemetes was befriending this person, but really he has Nemetes up to kind of uh, checking on him, kind of watching him like a watchdog. I feel it's uh, if you're if you're into CIA at all, spicy. I feel he's kind of being <laughs> a double agent in a way because oh yeah, even that's though, a good way to put it. Yeah, even though Nemetes has been put up to. Uh, d- to discover if there are more uh, Romans who are disguising themselves as rebels, he still is taking a liking. He legitimately is like so, but we don't really know yet. We're we're not really too sure if he he does like him legitimately. Caesar, right. If if Nemetes legitimately likes Caesar, or if he's just doing it for the sake of Crixus. But then again, they're kind of at odds with each other. So, gosh. Well, I- a, a scene that really troubled me was the scene where they enslaved the Dominus of the the Romans. Whoever this Dominus was that they captured, they have been marking her body, cutting her. They've been slicing her. They've been just completely just inappropriate sexual conduct with her, taking advantage of her and abusing her. And Caesar is put to the test um, to prove his worthiness to Spartacus's uh, camp by also having sexual relations with her and then inflicting pain on her as well. And he winds up having a talk with her, letting her know that he is a Roman, but then at the end she asks for him to put her out of her misery. Yeah, and at first we, she says, free me. Right. Like, get me out of here, we feel. But she really just wants to be freed from this life. She wants to be life. free from this life. Because she's being tortured, essentially. And uh, that scene was it was really powerful, I must admit. And it, it, it was, it, two in two ways it was powerful. One, it was I felt so disgusted in, like, it was such a grotesque way. So wrong. That Nemetes was just, he fingered her pretty much, right? Yeah, he was and just, then tasted He tasted her, fingers. S- smelled it afterwards. Yeah, it was, it was, did he taste it or did he smell it? I think he smelled it. 
regardless, inappropriate conduct. Still, yeah, it was, it was, and it was so great how they went from making us feel disgusted and hating Nemetes, and then just him leaving the scene and having Caesar come in. We went from that grotesque feeling mm-hmm. to feeling pity and sadness. Right, and we see even like her crying when she finds out who Caesar is, and Caesar is welling up with tears in his eyes as well, as he gives her the blade and he stabs her um, in the abdomen and finishes her off. So, but that also proved his worthiness to the gladiators. It did. It, it proved to the rebels. To the rebels. That, I'm still calling them gladiators. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it proved to them that he is, you know, he's not afraid to kill a Roman because imagine that if he went in there and he didn't want to kill her, he comes out and he didn't rape her, he didn't put a mark on her. She says something to them then, of course, that's going to give him Well, that's what I was thinking. I was wondering if she was really one of the rebels and she was, you know, maybe covered up in just pretending to be a Roman and then was going to give a report back to the rebels. But, no, she was a real Roman and he really had to kill her to prove his loyalty. Yeah, he did. And even though he didn't want to do it, it it really did help him out in the end because it caused dissent among the the rebels later on. Right. And it allowed him to keep his cover pretty much. Right, exactly. And we we start to see just a bunch of this was this episode was an emotional roller coaster. We see emotions uh, on our end flare <laughs> because we uh, you know we have a relationship with the rebels, but we also sympathize at certain points with the Romans when scenes like this took place. But we start to see um, just a dissension between the actual camp between the leadership there. Yeah, and. Uh- Actually, something that we forgot to mention was Spartacus. He was not around very much. He wasn't really that much in this episode. No, he was off being King Spartacus pretty much. Right. Everybody called him Baby Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got that from you. (laughs) I know. But pretty much this whole episode, he's away doing uh, being like a diplomat. He's trying to get food. He's trying to negotiate with the pirates to collect food so that he can feed his city. Yeah, he needs he needs uh, grain. He needs other provisions and food and the all that the the pirate leader Heraclio was giving him was wine and he was like I can't can't, can't feed my people with wine (laughs) come on wine is very good though (laughs) so he strikes up a deal with them he gets some information from Laeta as well more information I think uh, that actually helps Spartacus understand Crossus's mind and how he thinks better right and and that was how it, it was some I, it was I was kind of lost honestly when he was having the conversation with her, it, it was so, it was something to the effect of, uh, the idol also did something where there was a messenger that was intercepted mm-hmm. from Crassus and Spartacus got his memory jogged. He was like, whoa, that kind of happened with me when right. I intercepted a message and then I get ended up getting those two other Roman generals back in episode one. Mm-hmm. So he sees that Crassus has this way of operating and right. he's not like the typical Roman. But then, of course, after that scene, he offers some more intel over to Heraclio, the pirate guy, and he's away. Well, let me tell you, when it comes to Laida, I understand that Spartacus sympathizes with this woman and he's trusting her words, but as sweet as pie as she may be, I don't trust her. And I'm quite frankly just upset that Spartacus is allowing her to still exist and and be in his ear. I, I just, I don't trust her for anything. I think that she's already started to show us episode after episode that she's harboring and hiding some of her Roman people. So that right there is a red flag. Spartacus, she doesn't respect you. Yeah, and, and additionally, 
Uh, she, she, okay, well, let's go back to the scene where she's bringing bread. Okay. okay. And we have Sybil who sees her. Right. And, t- and tells everybody pretty much that she's well, who she's getting the bread for. Uh-huh. And Spartacus, when he finds out about this, it ultimately comes down off of his high place up there doing his diplomacy with uh, the pirate guy. He finds out he has the opportunity to, to kill her. To show the other people, to, to, to kill Leita. Right. To show all his rebel leaders, like uh, Crixus, Gannicus, Nemetes, that he's there with them. And he understands them, but he lets her go because he doesn't want to fall to the level that the Romans are at. He doesn't want to be th- at that low and just kill anybody. He doesn't want to be just a brute. But, it, but it's this vital information that uh, Navia and... Um, it's, it's this information that pretty much who is the first to find out? Uh, Gannicus? Or yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah, yeah Gannicus it, was the first to it find out. It was Gannicus because out. Sybil went to. Right. Yeah. So Gannicus finds it out with Saxa first, goes reports back to uh, Crixus and Navia that the truth has been discovered. You killed my best friend in vain. And then a entire uproar begins because of that. So yeah. that her harboring those fugitives or those prisoners really created a domino effect amongst the camp for a lot of other problems to take place. It did. But before we get into to the um, you know Crixus and Gannicus, <laughs> we're going to talk the about bra. decimation. Let's talk about decimation. And before we talk about that, let's mention our iTunes account. So oh yes, let's do that. Don't forget. Of course, we have gotten so much action the past couple of weeks from our fans. So thank you guys so much. Uh, but be sure to always just go on the iTunes uh, store, type in Spartacus. Just type in Spartacus in the search bar, and you will get our account. We're like the second one up there. So click on us, uh, rate and comment us. Give us five stars, please. We enjoy all the ratings and the comments. And it only takes a minute. You know, tell a friend. And uh, we actually had a couple new uh, iTunes comments. One of them was from Milt Webb, who gave us some intel on Manu Bennett, which is pretty awesome. Milt Webb 25 said, did, he gave us five stars, by the way, <laughs> and he said, did you guys know that Manu Bennett is playing Deathstroke Slade Wilson on the new TV show Arrow? Oh, great podcast, by the way. And Spicy is so hot. <laughs> you got an admirer, Spicy. Nice. Where was my Valentine's gift? <laughs> I should have some chocolates have been waiting for me. Now I'm just playing. Thank you. That's really sweet. <laughs> by the way, the interesting. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if that you're into uh, DC comics and stuff, Spicy, but Deathstroke the Terminator, he's a pretty well-known villain in the DC universe. So it's going to be nice to see him. Uh, to see Manu Bennett playing him, it's going to be really cool. And he's dude, he, he's been really fit this past this whole season oh, so yeah. far, right? So it's going to be nice to see him in a different outfit on a different show. Oh yeah, that's going to be pretty cool on American television. Oh, so, we're tuning in. Very cool stuff. <laughs> uh, additionally, on iTunes, we also have uh, Lizzie nineteen oh eight. She said, great podcast. Gave us five stars as well. Nice. And she said, I love Spartacus and thoroughly enjoy your podcast for the show. I find that no matter how hard I try to catch everything, I miss a lot, especially with the language. Your podcast gives me insight into a lot that I miss. Great job. Oh, my gosh. You are not alone. (laughs) If you would, I probably understand the least of the dialogue between them. I try to pick through it. Sean has to help me. So you are not alone when it comes to the dialogue. It's very tricky. And I didn't understand. I was like, who wrote this? How did they even know how to write like this? And Sean had to tell me that, you know, he did it all just what you said. It just poured out of him. Yeah, Stephen DeKnight, the writer and creator. 
creator of the show. He said what happens in his mind, like, is he gets the language, he gets the sentences, and he just pours it out onto the paper. But he's not studying any, like, time piece or anything like that in order to pick this up. He's creating this naturally. He is. Oh, wow. He's it, making an, an, a language on its own. He makes it sound great. I and always say this. And at the screening, this. we experienced this because everybody was speaking as if they were from the Spartacus show. It was so adorable. That's right. All the fans in the audience <laughs> saying, saying such funny things. Doctor, I would have words with you. Right. By the end of this show, we'll be talking the exact same way. <laughs> Additionally, on our Twitter uh, account, uh, we actually got tweeted at by a couple of our good fans. One of them, Crow, oh, go to my Twitter. Crowboy82. Oh, I love Crowboy. He's yeah. such a great participant. And uh, we've, we've mentioned him a lot on the show. He said, my comment to the latest Spartacus episode Fuck! Oh my god, no! What? Wow! My feelings! <laughs> OMG! At Liam McIntyre, at Stephen Denight, at Sean Ostino. So, I, when, he, when he posted that, I was like, dude, did somebody important die? And Because we hadn't watched the episode yet. We, we were watching it today. It's Sunday, and we, it, it aired on Friday, mm-hmm. obviously. And I was like, dude, what if Agandicus is dead? And when we saw that scene tonight... Oh, I was terrified of that as well. I, for like five whole minutes, I thought that Ganny was dead. I was so saddened. But you would have I think you would have seen people come to his rescue or if, if he was dead. I think she I think Navy knew she just knocked him out because nobody was really checking for him. If they had really killed him, they would have a lot to answer to Spartacus because he's a vital asset. He was one of the original gladiators and one of the strongest fighters. So to kill him would be just a detriment to the city. Yeah, but uh, right. Chris Hunter uh definitely agrees with me. He uh said that um and he tweeted this at Manu Bennett for us. He said, everybody in this life for themselves expects Spartacus, except for Spartacus. And that goes to the point where I keep telling you that Spartacus is a natural born leader and he sacrifices his happiness uh, to save everyone as much as he can. He is like Jesus. He does. He is. He's embodiment of <laughs> he Jesus. Is. Though, that, though, those of you without sin, throw the first stone. That's Spartacus. <laughs> it is. Sasha Montrez at Lovin Libra underscore. I kept checking at AfterBuzz TV for at Sean Ostino and at Spicy underscore Mari review of Spartacus. Can't wait. You guys are awesome. Aww. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We don't do it on Fridays. We do it on Sundays usually. But hey, if you're watching here now, I thought we were going to be in Studio B, but we're in Studio A. Perfect. By, by the way. Anyway, we had some. Uh, we had a variety of tweets actually on YouTube on our YouTube channel. Oh got, yeah. Let me go to my YouTube. So very interesting tweet. Uh, and and to be honest, it got really feisty out there. <laughs> we had a week off, of course, you know, because Spartacus skipped a week as right. well. So, uh, which gave fans like plenty of time to comment on on our various accounts, you know, and YouTube channel. Uh, it got some really fiery tweets from fans. So Remus zero three eight seven, he who has uh, been commenting and following us, said. His comments may be long, but they always give good info. He predicted that Crossus will lay down the law in brutal fashion in episode four. Ah, wasn't far off. That was so, a great prediction. Yeah, and and it, it turned out that he did. He decimated his troops. Well, can I say I agree with Diva 5835801. She said that uh, Sura has already spoken. Spartacus will never love another woman, and I don't see anything special about Laida. Ooh, girl, I agree with that. Because <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> special about her to me. I'm surprised that she was casted for this role, and that's not hating. I just don't see anything special about her. She just doesn't move me. And uh, Diva also said that um, that it would that 
she wouldn't inspire any more affection than Amira uh, received. And uh, I do think that trust in her will be his downfall. And I agree with that. I think that that was a perfect after buzz prediction. The trust in her will be his downfall. And we saw that happen this episode right. pretty much because he saves her, even though she's going around, you know, behind his back and saving all these other rebels, putting them in that stable. I don't know what good he sees in her. He just doesn't want to stoop down to that level and finish the Romans off and be and like give them a little holocaust of their own. Yeah. So uh, Justin Listen203 informed us about the Nagron fans and the Titanic pick. And actually, I have an interesting comment on him. He said um, it was brilliant when he saw that pick. And no, Dan Farragel and Panna Hema Taylor are not gay. In fact, Taylor is married. They are just so cool and love their fans. Plus, they want to hear uh, you want to hear something funny. Nagron fans started posting about that scene yes that scene before the episode even finished last week oh wow so that was pre- or two weeks ago rather so that was pretty cool we're just intuitive when you're with Spartan, you, the fans of the show are just very intuitive because we have a lot of other fans that had after buzz predictions just like ours that came true and uh, unfortunately we have not enough time and way too many people who comment on our pages but hey if you guys leave in some insightful stuff we will definitely mention it and give you a shout out because we love you fans and we love everything that you have to say and contribute to the show as well. I want to um, actually address some of the comments that were going on. So there's like really feisty comments that were going on on oh, our wow. YouTube page. And Disiomni, uh, uh, Dreadlife, and Black Boy in Glasses, they got into a bit of a comment battle and they were debating various topics, including some of the actors on the show doing homosexual scenes. And, oh, because I asked, please comment yeah. if you know whether or not that, uh, that Agron and uh, Nasir are homosexual or not. Because they play their role so very well. Unfortunately, it kind of got out of hand, and the way that they were debating about it was a little bit odd, and we don't really <laughs> want to discuss that stuff, but, you know, keep commenting at us, and, you know, of course, if we, you know, we want to talk about the stuff that's relevant and noteworthy uh, on the page, not just, you know, stuff that's out there for hate and, and bad things. Uh, lastly, Alien6x commented that he likes the show, and um, he likes how spicy can well understand a man's mind regarding Agron getting <laughs> that last punch in uh, last week on the pirate. He also mentioned that he actually got hit by the pirate because Donner, one of the Germans, was holding him back. And that's a really good observation, Alien. That is a good observation. Thank you for the com- uh, joining the conversation. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you guys. So let's move on to The Decimation, which was yes. the, the title of this episode. So pretty much... Decimation. Uh, Give us the definition because not everybody at home <laughs> knew exactly what decimation meant. So unless you Googled it or, you know, Wikipedia it, I don't know, it, or you look, looked in your encyclopedia if you have the book, uh, you don't know the definition, much like me. Sean had to explain it to me. Womp womp. So pretty much uh, what I learned long ago, because I used to read encyclopedias and whatnot. When I was brilliant. When I was really young, my, <laughs> my mom would take me and say, no more Nintendo, Sean. Get in the room and study some encyclopedias. So... What does it mean then exactly? So pretty much decimation. Well, it has a number of meanings. The common meaning when you hear decimation in our language is pretty much when like a force gets nearly wiped out. There's like no, no, almost none of the men left. Mm-hmm. But by Roman standards back then and by uh, and in Latin, it meant you kill one tenth of your force, which is pretty much what they did because they had 50 men in that legion. And Marcus Crossus was like, you guys retreated. Right. You're supposed to fear your leaders more than the rebels. Right. So we're going to punish you and we're going to kill 
one-tenth of you. Well, they weren't the only ones that were punished. Tiberius was was forced to join them and pull the rock. And whatever that pebble, whatever color, whether it's black or white, that lets you know whether you are living or dying. And pretty much his best friend who saved him, which it can't be revealed that he saved his life because then Tiberius looks weak. Yeah. He was forced to beat his best friend to the point of death. That's right. And they did end up killing them. And where do we see this before? Who else had to do this before in previous seasons? And you remarked, yeah, that's right, Spicy. You remarked upon that when we were off air watching. Uh, Varro was killed by Spartacus. Right. He was he, forced by his master's hand Spartacus, to kill. Yeah, exactly. Spartacus, his uh, dominus at the time, Batiatis, told him he had to kill, even though he didn't want him to do it, he had to kill his best friend, Varro. And Varro said, and Varro put the sword into his freaking neck and just shoved it in there because that's how loyal he is to him he was he would rather take his own life than to uh force him you know to to look weaker to die he saves spartacus and this best friend did the exact same thing he's like nope you got to take me out you were ordered to it you're a soldier that's right and tiberius he at first he was really hesitant during the beating when it began. And I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. When when they took them away, I was like, oh, I guess they're just taking them away. But then they, they dropped a bunch of clubs in front of each of the lines. Mm-hmm. And then it came. They made them beat their own men to death. I their d- own comrades. That, that, was, that was a very gory scene. And I, I feel and I sympathize with Tiberius. But you have been preparing for these wars your entire life. I kind of feel like you shouldn't have been crying. (laughs) The tears were started streaming from his eyes. And I just feel like the respect of your father is why your best friend is dead. Because you did not follow instructions. You took it upon yourself in order to attack Spartacus. And so these are the consequences. So you don't even deserve to cry at the loss of your best friend because this is your fault. Had you not been disobedient, he wouldn't even be dying right now. And now this is because of this. This is the first time where we actually see Tiberius becoming more like a man. And yeah. he's not... Remember in the first episode, he's like complaining. He's sitting with his legs all crossed with his wine, <laughs> laying back, getting taken care of and pampered. Right. And, and pretty much bitching and complaining in his father. Right. But now we have him doing things in war, which is a strong bond between men. But he cannot foul up anymore. He cannot fuck up. He has to always, he has to always do what's commanded. Well, would you say that Cora had a strong... Uh, role to play in that because she is in the ear of Marcus Crisis. Crisis. I can't say his name for anything because I want to call him Crixus, but (laughs) Marcus Crisis is listening to her. He's listening to his slave and her instruction and her opinion about what she thinks about Tiberius. She's pretty much acting like she's more of a mother than Tiberius's actual mother. And that's very surprising. But we haven't seen his mother back. No, well, that's because she's not going to be coming on the right. road with them to I just war. knew she was going to pop up in that hot, sexy scene. Oh, my goodness. That was the best. You know, I forgot about that scene when we were talking about the oh, sexy yeah. stuff in the beginning. So we got to mention that. That was the spicy oh certified gosh. scene of the night because there was passion. There was boobs, tits, stomach, ass, all of the above that is required pubic to make a pubic <laughs> all the Everything that's required to make a hot and sizzling Spartacus scene. And once again, they have not failed to bring it to us. And this time it was between Corey and Marcus Craxis. Crassus. Crassus. Oh, I can't say his name. I'm you, sorry, know, guys. you know what? That scene was the most intimate scene I have, I have viewed since the the episode one of the whole of first season oh really you think so because in in episode one of season one we have 
Spartacus with his wife, mm-hmm. and they're doing they're doing they're getting the, busy. They're getting busy. They're doing the good nasty, <laughs> and we haven't seen a good lovemaking scene like that. Everybody else has been like either it's reveling, been a foursome. It's been a foursome. It's been right. an orgy. It's been reveling. It's been butt effing, and <laughs> and here and it's all been like mostly power struggles, right, right? Either power struggles or drunken sex, right? Now we had one that was really really intimate. And it looked like they were making love. They were really making love. It, it's almost analogous to uh, to Agron and Nasir a couple episodes back right. making love. But this one was obviously, this one was heterosexual. And it was very, very intimate. And it was very sexy. Like I I'll, believe his love for his slave. I want to watch that with my wife later on. <laughs> I want her to see oh, yeah. that Shout episode. out to uh, Sean and his wife, newlywed. So that is some uh, great AfterBuzz exclusive news. Yes. Thank you. I just Sean got, is now married. I got married last uh, Thursday, which was Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Cheesy. Ooh, it was very He's ad- a lover at heart. Don't <laughs> let Sean fool you with this Spartacus show. He's really a lover. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Spicy. But anyway, let's talk about the final scene. Okay, we're, we're moving beyond the decimation now, and we're talking about the descent among all the rebel commanders, including Crixus, Navia, who you I know you really want I to I want to start off her. with Navia. Let's, let's do that. Okay. I am so disappointed... Because I used to love her so much, and uh, she was one of the most beautiful characters on the show. Her whole, her, her entire just essence, her spirit, her soul was so pure and good. And now that she's become a rebel and learned and just a killer, and has had so much wrong done to her, her spirit is gone. She is just this evil, just uh, manipulative, mean, cruel. You know, there's no words to describe the shift in character change that I'm sure that she had to study to become. But regardless, I'm really disappointed in her. I don't like her anymore as far as her character is concerned because she is in uh, Crixus' ear making him make unwise decisions against Spartacus. That's and true. she should be the wiser of the two because he's hot-headed. He's a, he was a gladiator. He's going to be hot-tempered and make crazy, irrational decisions. But as a woman, you're supposed to be in your man's corner and lead him in the right direction. And she is leading him in the wrong direction and killing innocent people because of her anger and what she's been through. It's interesting that you mentioned that because you would think, obviously, that the woman would be the, the more level-headed of the two in the right. couple. But uh, the way that I'm viewing it now, it seems like it's kind of analogous to Mac, uh, was it Macbeth? Macbeth? Yeah, Macbeth. Where where Macbeth and Lady Macbeth? The <laughs> Macbeth he's going after his king's throne, right? And but it's all because of his wife whispering these these uh, foul oh, yeah. things in his ear. That's almost what's happening here. Except she's not saying like take over Spartacus or kill Spartacus. Right. She's just saying that we shouldn't be dealing with these Romans. And she's being the more hot headed, the more vicious of the two. Well, she killed the. Uh the sword maker. What was he? What was his name? Atius. Atius. Okay, so Atius has been gone a couple episodes because she killed him. She bludgeoned his face. But in his defense, or in her defense, she had to kill him because he was threatening her life. But although she came at him first, she was in the wrong. And we knew that we knew that she was in the wrong because Leda had been harboring the Romans. And so Ganicus was not going to let that ride. He goes to Crixus and he says, your woman killed my person innocent, you know, my best friend innocently, except for he calls her a cunt. And so, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> Crixus is not going to let that ride. So they begin fighting. And at the point in which he's about to lose, 
this wrestle, Navia hits him over the head with a brick. Dude, that was so, uh, was it a brick or a big-ass rock? Either way, it, it was really... It, it was huge. It might have been a big rock, but thought, same thing. I thought Gannicus was dead right there. Even though they didn't show his face or anything, I really believed he was dead. Thanks to Crowboy out there. Because <laughs> just the way he tweeted at me, it was so vague. I was like, dude, is Gannicus dead? Oh, my goodness. Right. And that when that happened, I was just like, dude, I threw my hands up, right, Spicy? No, if he, you did. and But if he would have been gone, I might have had to walk away from the show for a second and take uh, a minute. Because I, I totally love it. I love yeah. every single person who's been a champion in the arena. Me too. So we see that he ends up recovering. Thankfully, he's got blood all over his head and he's okay. But there was just such dissent among everybody. When, when that fight was going on, Nemetes was getting choked by that, that uh, one Roman who was chained up. And Caesar looks at him and he's giving him this look like, should I let you die? Should I let you... Or should I prove my allegiance even more? Or should I... Yeah, should I do something about it? And then he throws a dagger and he kills another Roman. But uh, he saves Nemetes and he, he makes it so that he's more embedded in Nemetes with them. Nemetes deserved to die. I just want to add he did i and i i thought that too i, I mentioned that when we were watching it but uh, there was just so much dissent and and crixus i thought crixus and Gannicus were going to kill each other like one of them was going to kill each other uh, one or the other mm-hmm. oh well if we would have let them keep fighting without navia stepping in and um i think that that was very and probably embarrassing as well to uh crixus for his his lover female to be stepping in, yeah. um, and he kind of mentioned something uh, and I, that I interpreted as you know her him being embarrassed by her, but uh, at the point in which he's saved by her, Caesar steps up and he's telling the the rebels that they need to rebel against Spartacus because he's leading them in the wrong direction, and then that's when we see the real just dissension amongst them occur because this now is giving. Uh, Gannicus a platform to step up. Yeah, and it, you know, it actually, are you are you talking about uh, Gannicus or Crixus? I mean, Crixus, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, so Crixus, he gets up there, but I, I think he's hesitant, and he whispers something. I didn't quite hear it. What what was it they whispered in Navia's ear? Oh, I took, I actually wrote it down. Uh, Bravery, unwanted touch placed upon you. So I felt like, yes, yes, my love, you are brave, but I didn't want you to mess with this particular situation. I think that's what I think that's exactly that's how I interpret it is I appreciate your love for me and you trying to protect me. But this situation right here, you should have just watched. You should, if I had to go, I had to go. But at least I went in honor. Now I've been saved by my woman. Yeah, he's going to address it with her later. Oh, if we know anything about uh, yeah. Gannicus, he's going to address it with her later. And they definitely opened up the floodgates. Like her doing that and allowing him to get up there, he w- he he did it. He was like, you know what? We're going down this road anyway. Let's just go ahead and say it. Kill all the Romans. Right. And then that's when we see the outbreak occur. And while the scene of the uh, decimation is going on, it's going back and forth to the rebels killing the Romans. I must say that was a really good uh, way that they were splicing in those scenes. And we see the it's, it, it was so it was like kind of like a contradiction because we see the Romans killing each other on the, on the, in the battlefield, mm-hmm. you know, with with the legions over there to maintain their solvency, and we see the rebels killing the Romans that they have captive to maintain their solvency in a way, but they're kind of rebelling against Spartacus. So I think if there's anybody that's more in the wrong here, it's the rebels killing the Romans. Right. But I do appreciate that Saxa 
was do was she was still honoring Ganicus and honoring I mean uh, on, honoring Crixus and honoring Sa- uh, Saxo I mean, honoring Ganicus and yes. honoring uh, Spartacus because she of anyone hates the Romans just as much but she was like I'm going to follow Spartacus till the very end and this is something that uh, Ganicus would want me to do. And so, and she didn't even know that Gannicus was potentially killed or knocked out. Cold. Oh, if she would have known her man, life was at threat. It would have been on and popping in that city because she is one of she's one of the toughest female. We might even see her go later on again, blow to blow with Navia. That would be an interest. <laughs> that's an afterbus prediction. That might be an interesting scene. I would love those two girls to go back at it because they have before. We've seen them fight before, but this time they're both well trained. I would love to see that scene. Wow. So uh, I feel like that's all there is to talk about the the episode. But let's talk about our favorite quotes before we get to our news and gossip. Let's do it. I recall my father's grim visage when you first brought me to encampment. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that was in the scene where Tiberius, he's there wounded, and he's talking about his father's grim face, pretty much. And he hasn't seen it since he got brought there wounded. I guess he was embarrassed. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Navy said, turn to drink and horrors are part from this world. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. I like that. I'm telling you, that is a tough cookie. Mm -hmm. She stood up there. She had her man's back when he walked into the bar. And she is not afraid to go up against two men who were trying to step to her in order to stop uh, Gannicus. And so... For her to say that, she was like, "I like, pretty much, I dare you to come I, up here." I think it was actually uh, Nemetes in that scene when he it was, was having, Nemetes when he was having the talk with Crixus. But she was trying to defend. Um, and she was defending Crixus, Crixus. pretty, pretty right. much against those. Did other I say Nemetes? Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these names, no you guys. I'm, 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 I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> okay, this was a scene where uh, they were talking about what if, what if, what if, with Spartacus and the, the generals, pretty much of the rebel army. You scale a mountain of ifs. I would scale to its peak. And that was Ooh, what does that mean? That was Gannicus. That means okay, everybody's saying what if, what if, what if, and right. everything's just piling up all these possibilities and they're they're just saying what if and they're proposing questions, but Gannicus, he's like, Okay, I'm coming into this conversation late, but I think we should do this. And he goes to right to the solution. Let's have Nemetes and let's have Crixus find out if there are Romans within the city posing as rebels. Which I think was a brilliant idea. It was. And he almost got his head knocked off because of that. (laughs) Well, I don't have any more quotes. Go ahead and give the rest of yours. I have a a couple more. We haven't heard this in a long time. Fucking gulls. And that was from... Oh, yeah, you got excited when you heard that. (laughs) That was from Nemetes' mouth, which was really funny. It used to be Agron. That's a classic. Yes, classic. It used to be Agron saying it all the time. And Varro, I think he said it a little bit. It is you who has lost sense, and the Adal's wife would see you fall from perch. Mm. That was from Crixus to Spartacus right near the end when he spared Leta's life. Are you surprised that Agron has now become Spartacus's right-hand man? Like, he has proven his allegiance. I didn't, I didn't think that he was going to make it this long on this show, let alone by Spartacus's, you know, right hand. And he definitely has proven himself and his loyalty. I agree with you, but I feel, I feel like the only reason that he's his right-hand man is because he's really stable. His relationship's pretty stable, yeah. except for that fight last episode. <laughs> but, but everybody else has something going on, like they have their own agenda. Gannicus uh-huh. doesn't really care. He, he just, he's a drunk. He likes sleeping with Saxa. 
effing other women. And then we have uh, we have Crixus and Navia who who are off doing their own thing. They're almost like Lady Macbeth and Macbeth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I feel like Agron's just he's there. You know, he's he he's been with him since the beginning. Yeah. Pretty much, he he always sided with him, and Spartacus treated him well. He didn't have antagonism towards him at all. I'm really wondering who's going to side with Navia and uh, Crixus. I'm I'm. I have no idea who's going to who's going to side with them. I think that Nemetes is going to for sure and all the other rebels, but I just don't feel I feel like Nemetes has his own issues and his own stuff. I don't trust him worth anything. He, all he wants is money. That's all that guy yeah. wants, money and sex. Pretty much. That's what every guy wants. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and move into news and gossip. Let's go to news and gossip. After Buzz TV news. Well, um my news and gossip is I was looking at Instagram, checking out photos from at Christian Antidormi, Christian underscore Antidormi, who plays Tiberius on the show. Mm-hmm. And he's an Australian actor, by the way. I was doing a little bit of research on oh, him. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. His accent is awesome. He is only 20 years old, this what? guy. What? He's a baby. He so small. Oh, Jeez. wow. <laughs> so he's young. Six days ago, at Christian underscore Antidormi posted on Instagram, um, with uh, Todd Lessence, a picture of him with Todd Lessence, Liam McIntyre, and himself enjoying a day at Universal Studios. Oh, fun. Aaron That's right around the corner for me. It is. It's right down the street <laughs> from us, pretty much. And it's it's such there's such an intriguing thing about the picture. I didn't get to show this to you earlier, Spicy. I wanted to, but if you can, can kind of see, there's there's a photo right there. Oh, yeah. They're right in front of the Universal Studios yeah, uh, the, the world. Globe, the yeah. globe thing. Yeah, pretty Who much. Who are those girls with them? I don't know. I don't think they're actresses on the show, but it looks like um, it's it's pretty much it is Todd Lassens, Liam McIntyre. But what's crazy about it, if you look at the picture closely, Liam McIntyre he has his hair parted and gelled, and he has his face completely shaved. <laughs> oh, he shaved. He, he no Spartacus beard, so it just looks so different. It probably itches. He's probably tired oh, of it yeah. when he's not working. Oh yeah, but you know when it gets to a certain point, as as a man, I know this. You get to a certain point with your beard, um, you have to keep trimming it because if you don't, like if you shave it uh, with a razor and then you let it grow out, then it gets kind of curly and pokes the skin again. Oh yeah, it like curls around. But if you keep trimming it, it'll gr- grow straight, and that's pretty much how he has it on the show. Oh, that's true, he does. And I had another picture here, so it looks like in this one, looks like Christian Antidormi is actually. At the Santa Monica Pier, Santa Monica, oh, California. Oh, they're right. They're out here hanging out with us. Yeah, seriously, man. Like, I'm not sure. So he's from Australia, but I'm not sure if him and maybe a buddy of his have like moved here to LA. If they're hanging out, maybe they're here in the off season. But you know what? Actually, this is supposed to be the last season of Spartacus, so maybe he's moving no, here permanently. Are you serious, Sean? Yeah, you didn't know. Don't tell me that. Ah, I was hoping they were going to bring it back. I I would like that, but oh man, they're damned. It's going to end badly. Oh, <laughs> War of the Damned. So it's just so interesting in that picture to see like the sights that we normally get to see. Because I've been to Pacific Park, which is at the Santa Monica Pier. It's like this little amusement park Right, right, there. right. And it, it's interesting to see him taking lots of pictures at the landmarks here Who in knows? LA. Maybe he's moving to L.A. And additionally, uh, I found a pic on Dan Farragels, who plays Agron, his Instagram. And his mom wrote him a note, and it says... Hi Dan, uh, I found I found it in Justin's room. He was trying to hide it. I said, "Nice try, Lao She, Indiana Mum." So <laughs> if you don't get that oh, spicy, they spell mum. if you don't get that, I will mention why. It's a funny little joke. He what must, is it? Him and his mom must be into Indiana Jones because oh. "Nice try, Lao She" is a quote from the kind of near the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Okay, see, I did not know that. I wouldn't. <laughs> I've seen the movie, but I wouldn't have remembered that quote. So. 
Yep. Dan Farragill must be an Indiana Jones fan. Sure. Yeah, that's very cool. And that uh, does it for my news and gossip. Did you have any? Nope, that's it. Let's move on to predictions. AfterBuzz predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. So the previews for AfterBuzz didn't really give us too much. I, it doesn't have me on the edge of my seat for next episode, which means that I'm hoping the next episode isn't going to be slow. I'm, her, I'm hoping it's going to be sexual and action-packed. I hope so, <laughs> Like too. every episode. But I am hoping that Saxa, which I cannot believe I'm saying, will open up a can of whoop-ass on Navia. Ooh. I think that she... Just just because you have had wrong done to you, everybody has, has been through something. I'm sure Saxa has been a slave through the mud. But that doesn't mean that you should disobey the leader who has saved your life. And I don't think that Spartacus is wrong in his leadership, although I do not trust Laida. I think that he should have killed Laida. And so I'm hoping that uh, behind everybody's back, Navia goes in there and she kills Laida. <laughs> I'm hoping that she just wow. she's still disobedient. Even though I'm not feeling Navia right now, I hope that she's disobedient. You know what? I can actually agree with you, and I see that happening. I feel that Caesar is going to reveal himself next episode, and he's going to be discovered, but not before causing more dissent among the ranks right. and the rebels. And uh, Crixus, I feel like he's probably going to die in the next couple of episodes. Oh, really? Either He's, he's either going to die. Or he's going to lead some kind of coup against Spartacus, which is he's going to try and take power in some way. What would be a good prediction is, too, I think Crixus finds out the identity of Caesar and tries to attempt to kill Caesar. And Caesar winds up killing him before he can reveal to Spartacus his true identity. Oh, wow. That would be a nice one. And then eventually Spartacus finds it out and hopefully they duel. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Crazy stuff. So we will see what happens next time. But I think that wraps it up for our predictions. Anyway, thank you so much, guys. You know, we really enjoyed your comments last week. And keep commenting back at us. You can, uh, I I get tweets at me. So you can tweet at me at at Sean Austin O on Twitter. And you can also follow me on Instagram at itshano. And you can play with my Twitter at spicy underscore Mari. Uh, tweet at me. Let me know what you guys are thinking, what your predictions are, uh, what you hate, what you love about the show. Help me with my pronunciation of the names. <laughs> All that good stuff. Just reach out to us. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.